And, and part of the being a family of Christ, for you know, we're at church a lot. Um, how many of you go to church more than once a week here? How many of you go more than twice a week? How many of you go more than three times a week? Okay, I'll stop after that. But um, so we get the idea we're we're around each other a lot, um, and by by God's grace, and by God's power, we're growing constantly with one another. We're we're learning with each other, and that's the idealistic view, I guess. But the other sort of um, downside of that is that there's a lot of opportunity for us to um, be used as vessels of Satan. I mean, we're not not above that either. You look at Peter, and um, one second he was in the spirit, one second he was in Satan. And um, I think we have the tendency to, to do that a lot, um, and we don't even realize it. We could be sitting around as a group just talking, and then somebody's name comes up, and we start judging whether that person's really a Christian or not based off of these actions or based off of those actions. And um, and I kind of wonder how much, you know, we've actually prayed for that person before they come up in those conversations. or um, and, and I guess there's just this big application to, to being doers of the word and hearers of the word, what, what kind of Josh was praying about. And um, I think we're in church a lot. We hear a lot of what we're supposed to be doing. We hear a lot of those disciplines that seems sort of routine like prayer and loving our our brothers and sisters in Christ and it um, sort of just becomes common language to us it just sort of becomes information we've already already heard before um, and you look at the book of James and he's very practical and he, he brings up these truths a lot these practical truths that okay they're they're pretty simple but he's pretty cutthroat in his approach um, of, of saying you know don't just say you are a Christian don't just pretend to be religious but to actually do these things that God's requiring you to do, um, and and I guess one of those sort of disciplines I've been thinking about as as the family of Christ is that we look out even in the world and we see we see a lot of structure. And this is kind of a weird transition, but um, you look you look in our presidency, you look in our our nation's organization, and um, you look at things like even something that was coming to my mind was. Um, our, our armed forces, and Paul uses those illustrations a lot, saying we're, we're enlisted, you know, we're soldiers of, of Christ. And we kind of start out the gung-ho part, like the Rambo part, like we're super Christian going out and um, mutilating others who don't know Christ, and um, pretty gung-ho, but we don't think about the other things that goes along with being a, sh- a soldier. Um, and the Lord sort of ministered to me, at least I believe it was the Lord, you can still me if I'm wrong, later, and um, so on Sunday night, and I was just thinking about um, a, a particular branch of our of our forces, and um, you look at the president of the United States, right? Now this guy is, seems pretty cool, seems pretty calm and collected, but I guarantee you, um, he wouldn't be in such a state if he didn't have armed forces around him, if he didn't have the Secret Service around him. Um, and these guys are, in my opinion, they're pretty humble guys. I mean, how many of you know the name of an armed force, or sorry, a Secret Savant, Secret Service agent? Not, not too many, um, yet one of their roles is most, the most important, most vital, and um, they're highly efficient, they're highly organized, they're, they're about the president's business, and they're, they're constantly looking out for him. Um, and as the body of Christ, Jesus said, they'll know that you're Christians by your love for one another, and this is how we know that we pass from death to life, because the love of Christ for our brethren. And... Um, Looking at how much these Secret Service agents, I don't, I wouldn't go as far to say that they love the president, 
but they are hired. They do receive a salary, and they have to um, like what they're doing to some extent. Um, and you see their zeal, and you see their training, and um, their efforts to protect. And um, we we think about Paul and his his exhortation to be to be in the spirit. And I think Donovan was the last one who spoke here, and he talked about putting on a spiritual armor and, and dressing yourself and girding yourself. And um, in the same passage of Ephesians six, um, if you could just read it real quick to you. It says, pray at all times and on every occasion in the power of the Holy Spirit. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all Christians everywhere. And um, that, that was just sort of a focus point and a, and a parallel that I saw with this particular branch. And um, I don't think there's a whole lot of secret service going on, say, as far as Christians um, praying for other Christians and looking out for one another with as much zeal as we even see within a, a worldly organization. And um, there, there's a need for it. I mean, how much would our, how pres, how effective would our president be today if he didn't have the armed forces, if he didn't have the Secret Service watching out for him? You'd see him stressing out all the time, hiding behind corners, you know, trying, trying to protect his own back, and he wouldn't be able to concentrate in what he was doing. And um, I think there's a lot of um, weak Christians today, per se, because we don't have a strong service of, of people praying for them. We don't have people that are persistent in prayers for them consistently guarding each other's reputations and praying for one another, doing the research. I mean, some of the research that these um, organizations do in terms of setting up special events for the president, um, they're, they're looking at all the points of, of vulnerability. They're thinking of all these um, different statistics beforehand, and we kind of throw up prayers for our brothers and sisters in Christ. God, please bless Josh today, or please help worship to go well today. Um, and God interprets, he knows our prayers, but at the same time, it's like, I don't see a whole, and this is just me in my own life, I'm saying, I don't see a whole lot of zeal as far as actually doing my research. You know, what is this person's weaknesses? What what are ways that I can spot in their lives that I can pray for and for, um, instead of just judging them about? And I think that's what we tend to do. Um, we, we tend to see those weaknesses and we tend to judge them. We tend um, to tell our neighbors and, and use them as a list against them rather than to say, this is something that this person needs protection. And this is something that this person is obviously venting for a reason because there's spiritual warfare going on in the background. And if if this natural world um, has this organization and it has this need even in terms of people that are important, um, you, can, you better believe that the devil and the demons have just as much organization and terrorist, terror groups out there to pull down Christians, to pull down those who are being used mightily of God. And um, and they're even smarter. They're even more intelligent. And so how much of a greater need do we have to, to be covering each other in prayer um, fervently, persistently, as it says in Ephesians 6, not just, God bless them this week, and next time I'll see them, I'll pray for them again, but consistently striving for our brothers and sisters in prayer. And um, I think a big part of the doing and the hearing also comes with people um, that are sort of out of reach for us, right? We need Look at Pastor Greg. You know, I've gone to tr- to Harvest my whole entire life, and I've maybe talked to him twice. <laughs> um, I think once was when I was being de- dedicated as a baby. The second time was when I <laughs> shook his hand at, at the back of the door once. Um, so not big opportunities, and, and it's easy to feel like, you know, my prayers aren't making a difference. It's easy um, to sort of give up because you don't necessarily see all the, um, the impact that your prayers have. Um, and, and that was something that hit me is that, um, Psalms 116 says that 
that God listens to our prayers and He hears them, He answers them. And um, if you knew that God was listening to your prayers, I mean, like, you full-on saw God as you see your, your person, your neighbor right next to you listening as you were making your petition to God, how would that impact the way that you prayed? How, um, how flippant would you be in terms of, like, hey, God, could you bless them? No, let's talk about my life. And um, I, I think it would even change the way that we prayed um, to God. And I, I, we, ha- we have a tendency to pray just for those people that are in our immediate circle. We have a tendency to just lifting up the same people by faith. Um, God's Spirit constantly challenges me to pray for people I don't know, people that I see at church. Maybe I talk to them once and I don't see them or get the opportunity to talk to them again for a year. Um, and, and that's some of the greatest treasure I think that you can have one day. We we often tell people, hey, I'm praying for you. I'll be praying for you. And it's kind of like the Christian way of saying, hey, I got your back. <laughs> and it, it's neat and it's encouraging. Um, but on the other hand, there's there's this opportunity one day in heaven where Jesus says everything that you've done in secret will be shouted on the rooftops. And imagine if you just picked one person, let's say, for the rest of your life, and you didn't tell them that you were praying for them, but you were, you were actively, persistently, and fervently praying for this person. And what a gift that would be when you stand before God one day and that person, and they find that out. <laughs> They're like, oh, that's where that victory came, for, came from, or that's where that opportunity to share the gospel um, was open. It was for your prayers. And I think that's, that's a greater gift than just saying, hey, you know, letting that person know I'll pray for him one day or each week. Um, and, and so the secret service I'm talking about is um, pick, pick people within the church, pick pastors, pick elders, um, pick brothers or sisters, people that you wouldn't necessarily go up and just talk with of sort of out of your circle or that you feel is out of your area of influence and just pray for that person and see what God does in their life. Um, and, and you'll be pretty amazed what God does for that. But Going back to the faith and uh, being doers of the word and, and really believing God's, um, God God will listen to our prison. Everybody pull out a piece of paper, please. <laughs> if you don't have one, then maybe you can borrow one from your neighbor and a pen. Okay, if you get it, shout amen. I just say, I've got it. All right. Um... What I'd like you to do is just write, write the reference Psalms one sixteen one down. Um, it, it clearly states in there that that God listens to our prayers and He answers them. Psalms one sixteen one. And you have to write the whole verse down, but just just that, that reference so you have it handy for later. Um, and then I want you to just go ahead and write your first name down. I can't help you out there. Okay. Um, and then I just want you to write, God listens to your prayers after your name. No, I can tell you, I, I need that affirmation pretty constantly, and um, I felt led to do that a few, maybe this last week or so, and it just really, it ministered to me, it might not give you those emotional feelings of goodness, but um, just the reality, just to know, just to hear that, um, 
so often we we pray with this expectancy that God hears us, just like James talks about Satan believes in God and he, he fears and trembles, but the difference is there's no faith there. And um, Hebrews 11:6 it says that without faith it's impossible to please God. Those who come to God must first believe He exists and also um, know that He dilig- He rewards those who diligently seek Him. And um, I think we we come with the mentality that God hears us a lot and He's listening, but He doesn't really care, and He's not really attentive to what your prayer says. Um, but no differently that God's word says that in Psalms 161, God hears your prayers and He answers your prayers. Um, and I think it will really, really affect um, what, what we were saying about the, the weak Christians here. Uh, I think we go through so many trials pretty often. And there's that verse that says, God provides a way of an escape. And he never gives us more than we can basically handle. And, um, but what if that's because we don't have other Christians in, in our life? You know, what if all we can handle is just because that's us? What if God's only giving what Jameson can handle? Now, God doesn't necessarily change his mind about the trials that he puts in our life when 20 or 30 people are praying for him to take them away, but God does change hearts. And um, you might still be going for that trial, have that, that trial headed, um, and those 30 people might not be able to change your situation, but God's going to change their hearts, and they're going to be with you for that situation. How powerful is that, that those 20 people, those 30 people that are dedicated to prayer for you know what you're going through because they have the heart of God. And... Um, so I, that's the encouragement I give tonight is just um, do some secret service, keep some people in prayer, pick out some um, people that you're going to persistently and fervently pray for, um, and grow in God's grace in that. <laughs> I think we all need to do that. So let, can I pray for us? Father, we just thank you so much for um, persistently and fervently praying for us, Lord. Um, thank you that you intercede for us, Lord, before the Father. Um, we, we have an accuser before you, Lord, who, who accuses us day and night, Lord, who, who brings up our faults and our condemnation, Lord. And uh, we, want, we want to mirror the one who prays for us consistently when it comes to our brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord. We don't want to um, be a mirror of the one who, who's constantly condemning or constantly um, attacking our brothers and sisters, Lord. When we feel frustrated, Lord, by, um, by certain sins that we don't struggle with, Lord, I pray. Um, that you would help us to just see that as an opportunity to pray for them, Lord, and um, to, to gently and meekly build each other up in Christ and to speak truth when you call us to, Lord. So we just commit these things into your hands, Lord. We commit all the glory to you, Jesus. And uh, we, we just pray for Josh, Lord, as he speaks tonight. Lord, we pray that um, you would just anoint him, Lord, give him um, just grace to speak the words that you've um, given to him tonight, Lord. May you open our hearts to hear in Jesus' name. Amen. You see that those kind of words only come. I'm telling you, these these kind of words they get so deep into my ears and deep into my soul. It's like a root, just like digging down deep, just trying to plant itself in my heart. Why? Those kind of words can only come from experience. You can't learn that. You can't come up on that kind of knowledge somewhere. It doesn't happen. 
And those are my favorite kind of words when I hear people speak truths they're just never heard. Truths like, you may be able to handle more, and God may be able to do greater glories in you if you would just stop doing it on your own and surround yourself with people around and watch what God could do. I mean, incredible. How about pray for someone for the rest of your life in secret and don't tell anybody and watch God work. That's, that's, that's beyond me. Because you know what? That doesn't receive any reward here on earth, now does it? And it's completely mystical and it's 100% spirit and faith. Okay, this, let's, let's play this out. You're praying for someone and watching their life. There's someone maybe you have a burden for. There's someone I have a burden for. And I want to see change so bad in their life. And I just don't tell them I'm praying for them, but I just start praying for them day and night. And all of a sudden I start to see change. I'm just like, yeah. Rejoicing, no one knows but me. I mean, this is like, this is just stuff you don't get unless you experience and walk with God. And I just, I love the sweet freshness of the revelation. And I'm telling you, family, Listen to me. There's so many things that God wants to reveal and show to you that you will only find when you sit alone with Him. The truth is, I guarantee it, the majority of the church, maybe even up to 95% of the church, do not get alone with God every day. Do not. Talking about alone with God, waiting on Him, listening to His voice. It's something that Christians must do. Hello, I mean, we have a relationship with God, right? Isn't that what we do? Jesus said, Remember, as the man was praying openly on the street? Look at this guy. He's doing that so everyone will see him and praise him. Wow, he's got great prayers. It's like when we pray in, in our little circle groups, huh? It's like, let me think of the greatest prayer I can pray because I want people to say amen and all that stuff a lot. Yes, Jesus, amen. I want him to say that a lot so I got to pray the right prayer. God says, no, the one who prays in secret, that's who I will reward openly. Mm-hmm. Oh, I gave to that person. I did this great thing for that person. Everybody applaud. Man, you're such, man, you just give, always giving, always doing that. No, Jesus says the one who gives in secret will be rewarded openly. Interesting. And then do you remember when the disciples are sitting around the table with Jesus arguing? They're having their la one of their last moments with Jesus. What are they arguing about? Who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? What a conversation. Can you imagine like me and you guys were like sitting around the table with Jesus? Like, man, I, I, I'm going to be the greatest. And it, it, it doesn't sound like something we would talk about, huh? That sounds like, man, that's so absurd. I can't believe it. But think about how much we think about how great we will be in the kingdom of God and what we will receive from God one day. Think about it. Like trying to work your way up the ladder. Then Jesus says the unbelievable. What does he say? You want to be the greatest in the kingdom? You be the servant of all. 
You know what it means to be a servant of all? What does a servant do? What if you were my servant? What would you do? Wow. Sounds like the complete opposite of what we in the church exalt. Who do you exalt? You exalt the speaker, don't you, in your mind? Because I teach you the word, you think I'm doing a great service to you. Now, Jesus says it's not the speaker who will be exalted. It is the one who is the servant of all that will be the greatest in the kingdom. I feel like I'm in last place. I've done a lot of speaking, but I just don't feel like I've done much service to people. I've got a long ways to go. A servant is one who serves, isn't it? That's it. And that's what God has called us to do. When I think of that phrase, I think of a woman like Mother Teresa. Just gave up her whole life just to bless people. Somebody gives her a brand new pair of shoes because her shoes are falling apart. She gives them away. She gives up her life to serve others. And if you think about, it's, it's how much we think about ourselves and serve ourselves every day, huh? All day, every day. Serve me, serve me, serve me. Everything I want, i got to have it. We serve ourselves. And so what a great word, man. I just... There's just a few brothers, I'm telling you, in this life that just really just speak. I mean, it's... I just love Jameson, you know, and he's just such a blessing. And I, I thank God for a guy like that. And it, he's definitely unique, you know. He just has a sweet word all the time. And... Um, if you find someone like that close to you, make sure you grab onto him. Don't let him go. I have another buddy like that. His name's Christian Laundry. He's up in Canada. And he does the same things that Jameson just did. He says, take out your journal. Take out your paper. Let's write down a couple verses. We write them down. And then he says, put your finger on that verse and read it says you keep seeking you keep knocking and the door will be open put your finger do you believe that he'd tell us call us out do you believe it isn't that great wasn't that a great truth you just like you're looking at the piece of paper <coughs> Joshua that's my name God hears your prayers really yeah he hears your prayer huh yeah, it's, it's just so sweet for it to make it personal, just me and God. Lord, you really hear me? The creator of the entire universe is really hearing me tonight. Lord, we thank you for that word. And as we open your word again, I pray that fire would come down and consume this place. Your spirit would come, Lord, that you would teach us just that. To serve you and to bless you. And then to serve others. Oh, God, teach us. Thank you. Thank you for the work that you've started tonight. We look forward to how you'll finish it. We pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to Micah. Micah. I wonder how many of you have even opened to the book of Micah in your life. Interesting. Mm -hmm. You call me out, Josh? Yeah. Yeah, I am. We need to be students of the Word. We need to be mowing through this Bible. We need to know the Word. Because hey, the truth is the only thing that will what? Set you free. 
give you life in that abundantly. Stalking Mark Finnegan a day. I work with him in Harvest Crusade. And he runs the men's, or part of the men's study at, uh, at Harvest. It's called Excel. They do all these crazy adventures. They go fishing. They go biking. They go whatever. They just do this cool stuff. These old guys, they actually do it. Believe it or not. Yeah, they do. Just kidding. I'm an old guy now, right? I'm getting there. But he was telling me, he, had, he started off with five guys. They were reading a chapter a day. He would email them back and forth. Now they're up to like 223 guys who read a chapter a day and write back email. 220! That's a lot of people, huh? Isn't that incredible? And he says, it's amazing when these guys figure out, they'll come to him and be like, man, I can't believe what happens when you just read a chapter a day. And Mark's just like, duh. <laughs> Your life's going to be changed. Hello? Of course. I want God to move in my life. I dare you to read a chapter a day. So we're trying to do, that's the challenge. I don't lord it over you. But that is the challenge even here at this study. That's why we do a chapter every, we do every seventh chapter because you're supposed to be reading a chapter, seven of them throughout the week. Mm -hmm. So we'll read Micah chapter six tonight and tomorrow you should read Micah seven. Yes, you should. And that's right. I've been just bulldozing you guys with information over the last few weeks. So we'll give you a break tonight, okay? Just one chapter. <sighs> we, we covered two books last week, huh? Obadiah and Jonah. That was a riot, wasn't it? We're in Micah tonight. And Micah, his name is actually, it's kind of a nickname. It's like a half name. It's like, my name is Joshua, but a lot of you call me Josh. And his, his name is kind of half of a name. His full name would be something along the lines of uh, Micaiah. Yes, Micaiah. Yeah, that's it. And the name means, who is like the Lord? Isn't that great? Who is like the Lord? Who is like the Lord our God? Man. Sounds like something you would shout off the top of a hill, huh? To like thousands. Who is like the Lord? Everybody looks up like, nobody. That's right. Or maybe as Jesus is about to come out, somebody blows the horn, right? Who's like the Lord? And everybody's like, nobody! And they all fall to their face. And all of a sudden, the Lord walks out. He's the greatest king. I can't wait to see him when I see him face to face. When I see him. When I see him with my own, my own eyes. These eyes that you see right now, they will behold the face of Jesus Christ. When I see him, I'll never be the same. No one will. Who is like the Lord? His name? Micah is his name. It's kind of broken down. Who is like God? He even referenced, kind of does a play on his name, a pun intended in, in Micah chapter 7. He says, who is like our God? He, he says his own name in the Hebrew there. Isn't that great? That'd be fun to do. Use my name as you know some type of illustration. But Micah is preaching to a nation somewhere in the 700 B.C.s. And again, remember these minor prophets are preaching during the time of what? The kings. Yeah, during the times of the kings when Israel was being ruled by the kings and hey, there was prophets coming in and calling out. And One of the most prominent stories is when Nathan went in. Do you remember? Nathan walked in to David, King David, looked him in the face and said, you were the man after he told the story of taking a sheep. 
He called them out. There were prophets doing this all over the time, all over the land in that time, somewhere around 700 BC. And Micah was coming into a time where Israel was prospering. Okay, there's money, things are good, but there's a civil war going down. What? There was a civil war? Yeah, there's a fight going down in Israel. There's the, uh, there's the 10 northern tribes of Israel. If you didn't know the 12 tribes of Israel, God took Israel and broke them up into 12 tribes. And they split at one time. 10 went up north and 2 stayed in the south. And there's a fight going on. And during this fight, over 120,000 people die. That's a lot of people. And Micah is prophesying and speaking in the midst of this time. I, I really... I don't think a prophet in this day has a beard and long hair. Wink, wink. I think a prophet in this day is one who is just speaking truth to the nation. And I don't know what he looks like. But I believe that there are prophets everywhere crying out, even in this nation, in this time. Now, not writing scripture. The scriptures are done being written. But we're talking about speaking as the voice of God. Crying in the wilderness. When will people wake up? When will they see? Micah is doing just that in this time. And the people, they, they're semi-listening. There is restoration that takes place. But isn't it classic the way it always works? It's the picture of the Bible. Are you ready? The people have a relationship with their God. They're loving God. They're walking with God. Right? Like you. Then you do something, you rebel against the Lord, you do something you know you shouldn't, you fall, and then you need to be called out by somebody, you're living in a sinful life, so you're doing something you shouldn't, and then all of a sudden you repent, and God says, okay, I'll restore you, and I'll bring you back to me. Isn't that the story of Israel, the story of the believer, even to this day? Look at Israel. They're in rebellion against God right now today. You probably think, if you came in contact, do we have any Jews here tonight? Anyone Jewish? Anyone a Jew? You have Jewish blood. If your mother is a Jew, you're a Jew. Yeah, yeah, that's right. If your mother is has Jewish blood in her, you are a Jew. And you could go and live in Israel. Yeah, you can go to um, Israel and uh, I think it's called Aliyah. You make Aliyah and uh, you can live there, and they'll pay you money to live there. Yeah, so if you want to. Yep, you can get you get a free trip to Israel too. They'll pay for that. Uh huh. Go because they want you to live there. They want they want to gather the Jews back to the nation. But you think if you came in contact with a Jew, it's like man, they must love God, they must serve God, or they must know about God, or they must walk with God in some way, right? That's what I thought when I first met a Jew in the airport. I remember it was some other state. I walk up and uh, we start talking about the Lord. I was sharing with him, and uh, he's like, yeah, "I'm a Jew," you know. I'm like, "You're a Jew? You're you're the Israelite? You know, you're the one." God's chosen people? It's like, yeah, whatever that means. I'm like, hello, you're a Jew. It's like, yeah, so what? I'm like, dude, you're one of God's chosen people, man. Don't you get it? It's like, no, I have no clue what you're talking about. I don't get it. Then I went and lived in Israel. I lived there for three months. And uh, about 95% of the nation probably are agnostic or atheist. They don't, they, they don't serve God. They maybe believe there's a God and they have some heritage and they keep Shabbat just because, hey, that's what the culture does. But they, they don't follow God. And the 5% that maybe does follow God, it's all about this vain ritual and routine. It would be like a Roman Catholic church or something like that who just, there's no real relationship with God. Hey, some in the Roman Catholic church may, but it's more 
church bells and routine and confession and rituals and sacrament and all the rest. I don't mean to put down Catholicism in any way if you came from a Catholic background, but just for illustration with when I say religion, you think of like a big cross and you think of a church bell and stained glass windows. That's what you think of. And that's what they're doing. They're just like, oh, this is a good way of life. And that seems to be what the people and this time we're doing as well. It's just religion to them. It's just routine. They just do what they do. We'll see it in the chapter tonight as they just do things because they think they should. But God is like, what are you doing? I don't want ritual. I don't want those things. I want your heart. And this will be a huge lesson for us tonight. Don't come to church because you think you should. You come to church because you want God. If you're even here tonight, and it's a burden, I've had people, Josh, man, it's just so hard to come to church, so hard. I don't want to do it. It's like, stop coming. You're ruining it for yourself. You're making it a bitter taste in your mouth. Are you just going to keep forcing yourself to go to church? Don't do it. Maybe you're reading your Bible over and over and over, and you, you just it's some duty that you have to do. Stop. You're ruining it. It's like... It would be like uh, eating the same thing over and over and over, even though you don't like it. And then you just become so bitter towards it, and you can't ever eat it again. Maybe you've had that experience with some type of food. Just you, you smell it, and you're just like, I don't even want it. So many people become bitter at God because they keep doing it over and over. But the nation is prospering. There's civil war going on in the nation, and Micah is rising up, speaking to the Jews. And we'll see if they listen, see if they hear. This, this book is really broken up into three sections. Chapters 1 through 3, we see uh, retribution. We see uh, this, this coming down, this opening of eyes, this trying to speak truth. And then chapters 4 and 5, we see restoration. And chapters 6 and 7, we see reconciliation with God. And then, so that's what we'll look at tonight. Go ahead and turn to Micah chapter 6, if you have your Bibles. Micah chapter 6. And Father, we ask that you would speak to us now as we look into your word. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You there? Verse 1. It says, Micah speaking, Hear ye now what the Lord says, saith, Arise, contend thou before the mountains, and let the hills hear thy voice. Oh, I love this. Let the hills hear thy voice. Hear ye, O mountains, the Lord's controversy. Why the mountains? I always wonder about this stuff when I'm reading through. It's like, hear the voice of the Lord, mountains. It's like, the mountains can hear the voice of the Lord? Yeah. All of creation recognizes the voice of God. I love doing that. We were out there on the boat and the whales were coming by as I was deep sea fishing. I was thinking to myself, you know the Lord, don't you? <laughs> just think about this stuff. Every time I see creation... And I'm blown away by it. Like, God, how'd you do this? This gray whale, this thing is massive. It's coming by right in front of our boat. This is incredible. The dolphins coming up, just like all under our boat, just doing the crazy. It was unbelievable. I'm on the front of the boat doing Titanic. I'm like, <laughs> I don't even remember what he said. King of the world, is that what he says? I'm the king of the world, something like that. Yeah, and I, I was just doing that thing and just looking down. I'm like, man, this is awesome. You guys know the Lord. I, I mean, they, they do. They, they will bow all creation. Here's the voice of God, and it says here the mountains, hear the Lord's controversy. You strong foundations of the earth. This reminds me of that song that says, if I don't praise your name, even the rocks will cry out. Isn't that incredible? 
It's like if everyone on earth said, we're not going to praise God, the rocks would just like break forth and start shouting into God. The earth trembles at his voice. I like that. For the Lord has controversy with his people, and he will plead with Israel. Isn't that awesome? It says the Lord will plead with us, will plead with Israel. Aren't you happy the Lord pleads with you? If I was God, which I'm happy I'm not, you know, you mess up the relationship with me, it's just like, dude, you're done. You cheated on me like four times. Get out of here. I'm done with you. I pick up the phone to call you and you don't answer. I ain't calling no more. But God pleads with us, doesn't he? Hey, when we sin and we walk away from God, what does he do? He chases us, doesn't he? What a great king. Hey, a lot of people who just get fed up with you life, and maybe you're even fed up with someone right now. You've pursued them, and they're just like, yeah, I don't want to have anything to do with you. You're just like, you know what? Get out of here. I'm done with you. I'm not going to chase you. I'm not going to pursue you. I'm not going to pray for you anymore. Throw yourself under the bus already. I'm done with this relationship. God doesn't do that. Even Israel, who rebels against him and worships other gods. There are many of you in here who have worshipped other gods. And God pleads with you tonight. Please don't do that. Please don't run in that direction. Please don't hurt yourself. It's amazing how many gods are running around this time. I don't see any statues. Yeah. It's so amazing how the enemy has worked it in. It's not a statue anymore that we bow to. It's yourself. You bow to you every single day. You give yourself what you desire and what you want. You offer sacrifices and offering unto yourself all day long. You are the idol. American idol. Wow. That's sad. How did that happen? How has that snuck in? We worship something all the time, don't we? Well, I don't know what I worship. This is what you worship. Whatever you spend the most time doing, that is what you worship. Whatever you spend the most time thinking about, that is what you're worshiping. The Bible says clearly you to worship the Lord God and Him alone. And many are worshiping other gods. Here in this nation, it is incredible what's happening. And God pleads with you. Isn't that great? No man... No woman will stand before God and point the finger at Him. Well, you didn't do this and you didn't do that, God. No, when you stand before Him, you will fall on your face because you will see how many times He pursued. You will see how He reached out. Every man will be held responsible. Hitler, when he stands before God, he will be broken before Him. Why? Because he will recognize how loving and gracious and powerful God is and he rejected God. And he will be broken before him. He will be blown away. God pleads with Israel. He pleads with his people. Look at verse 3. Oh, my people, what have I done unto thee? And wherein have I wearied thee? Testify against me. Wow. Do you see that? What does your translation say? Somebody read Larry. What does yours say? Verse 3. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to hear what it says. Yeah. Yeah. What have I done? God speaking to his people, pleading with them. Hey, hey, hey. What have I done to you? How have I burdened you? How have I brought weariness upon your life? Testify against me. Who will testify against the Lord here tonight? 
Who will stand up and say, you, O God, have done this, and you, O God, have done that? Who will rise up against the living God and say, you're mad at him because of this or that, and will have a good reason? God says, testify against me. He is blameless and perfect in all of his ways. Maybe you're thinking that tonight. I don't like the cards that I was dealt in life. What are you going to do? Testify against God? I don't like the way that I am. Reminds me of a guy by the name of Nick Wojciech. No arms and no legs. 16 years old or something, he's like, I want to kill myself. I'm tired of this life. I can't do it anymore. God, why'd you do this to me? I prayed a hundred times and you're not healing me. God's like, I'm going to use you. Don't testify against me. I'm going to use you to bring thousands into the kingdom. You have no clue what I have for your life. Nick isn't testifying against God now, is he? His mouth is quiet. And that is the way every single person will be before the Lord. For He spread out the heavens with His hands. He spoke the earth into existence. With His mouth, He speaks and something happens. Can you do that? Can you speak anything? anyone in here? Can you do it, Larry? No, no. Yeah, logical fallacy, Larry said. I like that. Can you do that? I mean, can you... Abracadabra. Nothing. It's never going to happen. And God comes... You've got, you got to see the, the, the sweetness in the heart of our God. He, the tone is pleading, isn't he? He's pleading with his people. He's like, look, look, hey, hey, listen up. When have I done you wrong? What have I done to hurt you and to destroy you and to ruin you? Answer against me. Say something. Anything. It's like a father speaking to his son. After he's pleaded with him, please don't go to that party. Please don't go and hurt yourself. Stop. You're going to ruin your life. Yeah, 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 yeah. Whatever. I'm going to. You don't know anything, Dad. I'm going to do my thing. And when the boy figures out that his father was right, his mouth is shut, isn't it? And I'm telling you in every situation, if right, listen, listen, if tonight you are in a situation where God is speaking to you loud and clear and you are choosing not to listen, God is pleading with you tonight saying, what are you doing? Have I not revealed to you? I have not put weariness upon you. I am a God who loves you and cares. Why would you put yourself in that place? Answer against me. Please don't go in that direction. He's a God who saves, isn't he? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. A wretch. He's talking to the... uh, to a salesman who works at Toyota just the other day. And uh, he, he asked me, uh, as we're chatting away about stuff, he asked me what I do. And I'm like, well, I work at a church. It's like that awkward moment, you know, like, it's like, oh. He's like, and then all of a sudden he just changes it up kind of real quick. He changes his, you know, demeanor just real fast. Like, oh, you know, well, you know, I'm, I'm you know, just trying to do the whole I'm good with God and all this stuff. And I'm like, are you, are you really? And I just felt the spirit come on me. It's just like, I'm going to call this guy out. So I'm sitting there, and, um, and, and I'm just like, well, you know, I mean, I mean I, I'm not really a religious guy. I don't, I don't dig that. I just, uh, I just love God, and I love people. 
But you know what? Um, like you know, you know what I'm saying. There's a lot of people in the world who claim to be Christian. You know, they do the church thing and they do the religious things, but they're really not Christians. You know, Jesus said, "Many will call me Lord, but they won't even enter the kingdom of heaven." You know what I'm talking about? He's kind of like, yeah, okay. I'm like, you know, a disciple of Christ, really walking in His ways, really walking close to Him. The guy is just like not getting it completely. He's not figuring it out. Then we go on into a great conversation. We start talking about the Lord, and I just start sharing with him. But at first, he's just like completely against me. He thinks I'm calling him out and trying to put him down. But in reality, I was really trying to plead and bring forth the things that were going on in his life. And this is the reason I bring this up, is because I said, I'm a wretch. And I said that to him there in that conversation, and it like broke through so fast. He's like, well, I'm a good guy. You know, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm good. You know, I think I'm good with God. I do good deeds. And, you know, I, I try to help the old lady cross the street, you know, and do what's right with my family and all that. And I was like, that's good. I'm like, not me, man. I'm, a, I'm wicked. I'm a wicked man. I'm a wretch before God. And he's like, really? I'm like, yeah, man. It's only by God's grace that I'm saved, man. I, I got nothing. He's like, oh, well, you know, me too. You know, I'm, I'm kind of like, you know, I'm a wretch too, you know. And I, uh, and, uh, you know, I, I'm not... I, you know, I mess up too, and I kind of look at things I shouldn't sometimes, and, and I kind of cuss. He starts cussing, you know, he starts cussing right there on the spot. He's like, I can't help it, man, you know. And I'm like, you know what, and that's the sweet thing about Jesus, you know. We're just a bunch of wretch, you know, and I just try to live for God every single day, but I'm a wicked man before God. God is so pure, holy, and just. And I'm so happy that he pursued wickedness, like me. Set me free, chose me before the foundations of the world. This man... I know who I am and I can't believe me. Maybe you look at your own life and you say, God, you're letting me go to heaven? Is there anyone in here who deserves heaven? Anyone? Anyone? We have nothing to say to God, do we? Nothing. Don't complain. Don't murmur unto your God. Cry out to Him, yes. But when He pleads with you, don't try to talk back and give all these reasons and excuses why you're not living for Him. If you're in a relationship you shouldn't be, don't give reasons and excuses. Just shut that mouth and listen to God as He pleads for you. If you're not doing something that you should be doing, and God's been speaking to you for quite a while, no response. There's no need for it. You can't respond. Just be quiet before Him and start moving forward in the direction that you need to. I love getting before God alone. Because what are you going to do? Talk back? You can't do anything before the living God. But watch Him as He pleads with you and watch your heart break and soften and move. Oh God, let us be a generation that receives from you. God says, you can't testify anything against me. And look at verse 4. He tells them what he has done for them. Are you ready? For I brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. I redeemed thee out of the house of servants, and I sent before thee Moses, Aaron, Miriam. Do you remember that? God did it for his people, huh? They can't, they can't say anything to that. He delivered them. And that's the story of our life, isn't it? We were in Egypt, in the world, and he pulled us out, huh? Did you pull yourself out? Like, man, I, you know, I did all this stuff, you know, and, 
and, and I made the right decisions, and I did, no, 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 you ruined your life, okay? You were going in the opposite direction of God. You were sinning and in rebellion, and God pulled you out of Egypt. God delivered you, huh? Set you free, put you into his marvelous light. And so how could we possibly raise our fist against God? Absolutely not. God's reminding his people. He says, verse 5, Oh, my people, remember now what Balak, king of Moab, consulted, and what Balaam, the son of Beor, answered from Shittim and unto Gilgal, that he may know the righteousness of the Lord. Remember, Balaam tried to curse. Tried to curse the people. God delivered him. God is referencing to times when he has delivered his people from the enemy. Listen to me. This is something great and practical that you need to do in your own life. When God delivers you or God pulls through in your life, you need to write it down. And you need to be remembering the things that the Lord has done. How many things has the Lord done for you? And you can't even remember. How many times has He delivered you and pulled through, yet you have forgotten what the Lord has done? Isn't that a bummer? You wish you would have journaled every single time He pulled through the thousands of ways He's delivered in each day. So that when you start getting prideful and arrogant, thinking you can testify against God, you run back to your book. And you remember the great things that God has done for you. Oh man, how I love to remember back. How God delivered me. I love to remember back to the time when I tried to rebel against my dad. Oh man. 16 years old. This was right before I made a big commitment to the Lord, my final commitment to the Lord, and kept it. Um, it was after a football game I just played that night, and um, I wanted to spend the night at a buddy's house. My dad's like, no, we got to help Grandma move. You're coming home. I'm like, no. I, this is the first time I, like, I said no to my dad. I'm like, I just look at him. I'm like, no. He's like, son, you're coming home tonight. I'm like, no, I'm not coming home. And all of a sudden, there's just this, this skirmish between me and my dad. I mean, somehow we're like, my dad is a big guy. I don't even know what happened, but I'm like scared to death. And it was like the scariest moment of my life because it's like everything started to flash before me because I'm in a fight with my dad. My dad's the sweetest man on the earth. I just can't believe what a fool. I can't believe that I had the pride to stand up to my father like that. And we got in this fight and I ended up running off like right after that. I just I just got away from my dad as fast as I could. I started, I was running through the back of my high school. I was like gonna run away, like all this was going on in my mind. Like I'm getting out of here, I'm done. I'm out of the house and all this. And I'm running into the back of my high school, Ramona High School, and I run all the way through the school and I get to the back field. There's this field where a lot of people play soccer and do softball back there. And I fall on my, I just trip and fall. I don't know what happened, but I just fall like right on my face, right there in the grass. And all of a sudden I just start to weep, man. I don't know what happened, but it just came over me. I just started to weep and just cry. And just like, everything started to flash before me. Like, what am I doing? I just, I just cussed at my dad. I just got in a fight with him and this little wrestling man. I, I ran off and I'm like, I just ruined my relationship with my father. I ruined it. And I started to cry out to God all of a sudden right there in the spot. I was like, God, oh, please, if you could restore my relationship with my dad, I'd be forever grateful. I can't believe I did this. It's all me. It's my rebellious 
nature. It's its wickedness inside that has to have their way, that little baby temper tantrum. So I got up and I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do because I, I, I thought I had to run away or get away because I didn't know. I was so scared of my dad. I thought he was just going to wreck me, you know, once he gets a hold of me. And so I ran and somehow I met up with one of my buddies and uh, the, I hear the cops all of a sudden everywhere. I don't know what happened, but my dad, I think he called him or something. It might have been the neighbors because we were hiding, me and my buddy were just crazy. We're hiding under... This, these people's motorhome, like trying to hide, because my dad is like driving the streets trying to find me. Yeah, I'm like, he's gonna come down the street. I know we gotta hide, you know. And so we're hiding. And guess what? My dad comes down that street. He drives by, and we're, we're under there. But all of a sudden, the cops roll up at this house. I'm like, oh no! So the cops come, and we're like sitting there, shining the flashlight under there. The people, the owners of the house, are the ones who called. I come out of there, they handcuff us and put us on the side, and I'm just like, oh man, like, you know, trespassing and all this stuff, and we're just like, oh great. So I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden my dad rolls up, and I'm like, oh, come on. This can't get any worse tonight. I've ruined my life. And I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden the officer just pounds us, you know, comes down like those cops do. They just come down on you real fast, trying to make you cry. My buddy Travis just starts bawling his eyes out, you know. <laughs> You little sissy. <laughs> and uh, we're sitting there, and then my dad comes up, and he's like, you're going to take these boys home? He's like, yeah, I'll take them home, you know. And so we get in the car, and it, we're taking my buddy Travis home, and I'm sitting there, and we're just, it's just dead silent. I mean, I mean, it's so scary, you know, those silent moments. I mean, it's just like, somebody say something, you know. It's like, please, this silence is killing me right now. And I'm sitting in the front seat. And so Travis, I don't even say bye to Travis. We just pull up to his house. My dad doesn't say anything. He opens the door and just walks out and the door closes. I'm like, dun, dun, dun. (laughs) Scariest moment of my life. And all of a sudden my dad looks over to me and he says, "Uh, hey son, you want to get some hot chocolate? And I was just, I was broken. You know, he showed me grace in that moment and I couldn't believe it. Hot chocolate's my favorite drink. (laughs) And he shows me grace in that moment when he should have just wrecked me. And I remember back on those times, I remember when the Lord did a powerful move in my heart there in that moment. God was gracious to me, wasn't he? My dad didn't ground me. He didn't do anything. He showed me grace. He, He didn't only give me mercy, he showed me grace. He went and bought me a hot chocolate that night. When I deserve punishment and death, my dad showed me grace. And I remember back on those times because it gets my heart right. It gets me focused in the place that I need to be. And I know each one of you have had special moments with the Lord like that where no one else gets it. No one else can truly understand what happened in that moment. But God did something powerful in your life. I know each of you have stories like that where you're by yourself and only God knows. But you've been set free. That's what I'm telling you tonight. You've got to remember back to those times. Don't forget. God is reminding His people because they do forget. And God is saying to you, don't forget what I've done to you. Don't testify against me. My mouth has been shut forever towards my Father. Since that moment... 
I have never rebelled against my dad. Never. And I never will. Never. My brothers talk back to my dad. They're going to get smacked. I mean, you don't mess with my dad. I might get to hang out with him this weekend. I'm so stoked. I might drive to Vegas because it's my niece's birthday. Her first birthday. Yeah. I got a niece. Isn't that crazy? It's my little brother's baby. It just blows my mind. But me and my dad will drive four hours or so, five hours to Vegas, and just chat the whole way and just have a blast together. I have an amazing relationship with my dad because he's shown me grace. When you become parents one day, sometimes you don't need to bring the hammer and the wrath. Discipline is needed. But sometimes you need to be spirit-led and you say, hey, let's get a hot chocolate. It'll blow their minds, won't it? That's what God has done for us. Praise be to the Most High God. That's our King. Look at verse 6. Wherewith shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the High God? Shall I come before Him with burnt offerings, with calves for a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with a thousand rams or with ten thousand of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression? the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He's asking all these things. A rhetorical question. You want to be pleased with God? He's like, what should, should, I, should I offer a thousand offerings unto God? Should I read my Bible every single day? Should I pray 50 times? Should I go and serve at the church a hundred times? Should I do this? Should I do that? Should I do this? Should I do that? What does God say? No. No. He doesn't want that. It's not... Look, when you get to heaven, God's not going to be like, okay, okay, let's uh, pull out your papers. Okay, here we go. You went to church, okay, 115 times. Okay, good job, good job. Okay, you go over here. Okay, you uh, went to church 1,050. Wow, you get to go over there. Okay, there you go. Come on, here you go. Here you go. But you, sir, you, well, you lived at the church, and you were there day and night. And yeah, you, I mean, because you did that, you're just going to get the biggest crown. It ain't like that. God doesn't care about that. What does He care about? He says, I don't care how many offerings or sacrifices you lift up to me. This is what I care. Verse 8. He has showed thee, O man, what is good. What is good? And what the Lord requires of you. Are you ready? This is what is good, and this is what the Lord requires of you. This is what He wants. He doesn't want all these offerings. He wants this thing. To do justly. To do what is right. Did you hear that? He just wants you to do what is right. What does that mean, Josh? You know, let me say the rest of these. To love mercy is the second one, huh? He wants you to what? Do justly. Love mercy. And walk humbly with thy God. Did you hear that? Reminds me of a song I know. He has showed thee, oh man, what is good and what the Lord requires of thee, to do justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. We are to what? Do justly. Say with me. Do justly. We are to love mercy. Say with me. Love mercy. And we are to walk humbly with our God. We are to walk 
humbly with our God. We are to what? Do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with our God. We'll say it again. We are to do justly, we are to love mercy, and we are to walk humbly with our God. Did you hear that? Do justly. What does that mean? Do what is right. You know how to define that within your own life? Do you know how to define whether or not you do right in your own life? Look at yourself and see what you do when no one is around. And that is whether or not you do what is right. That's it. Now, the way my coach used to say it, when I played football, he'd say, Boys, have some integrity and character. What that means is picking up trash when no one is around you. No one's around, you see a piece of trash on the ground, pick it up. Wow. Integrity and character. I'm not saying that defines a righteous life with God, but it is definitely doing what is right when no one is looking. And the secretness of your own heart. Where are you with God? Do you know that a man could do all these outward things and be wicked inside? And be far from God? Do you know that there are preachers that will not enter the kingdom of heaven? What? Yes. Because they do all the outward stuff, but inside they are far from God. Isn't that sad? Yes. Remember Ananias and Sapphira in the book of Acts? They come before the Lord and offer all this money unto God, huh? What does Peter say? He's like, you held back a bunch of it. You guys are front masters. You're coming in here trying to show like you did this big thing and what happens? They drop dead right there on that spot. God is looking simply for a person who does justly, who does what is right, but loves mercy. What does that mean? They're compassionate. Compassionate towards others. Do you want to know what it means, guys, brothers, to be compassionate towards others? You don't always have to be Mr. Macho Man. Hey, you can be a man, but to be compassionate. I struggle with this. I don't know why. I kind of try and blame it, I think, on the fact I didn't have a mother when I was raised. My mom died when I was eight. And it's like, I said, offend for myself. Just everything was cut and dry. It's like if you scrape your knee, mommy's not there. So get up and make it happen. And that's the way it was. There is no compassion. So that's, that's the way I've been many times in my life. And I'm learning compassion and learning love and mercy towards people. To have a heart of gold. And we need to be compassionate towards one another. Why is it? The most popular thing in the church today, I think, amongst Christians is wanting to cut each other down. And just, somebody does something wrong, it's like you can't wait to tell somebody else about what they did. So-and-so gets pregnant, everybody's like, oh, did you hear? So-and-so got pregnant. I'll be the first one to say, I've been there. To cut people down as soon as I find out their sin and their dirt. But what happens when someone falls and you're the first person there to show what? Mercy. You walk up and say, hey, you don't worry. For the Lord has forgiven you. And I'm going to tell you that I'm, I'm in this with you. And I'm going to love on you. Lord broke my heart in that one too with my brother, my middle brother. He, uh, he got a girl pregnant just about seven months ago. And I was ready to ream him. 
just tear him down. And the Lord is like, no. You're going to love him and you're going to love his wife, who he's going to marry. We're going to love him. So it's like, and he called me. My brother called me. And I was just, man, I just wanted to just, I just held him and I'm like, I'm going to show him love. I'm going to show him mercy. I'm going to bless him. And that's what I've been trying to be. And it has been such a breath of fresh air for them. Because I'm Mr. Like, strict brother, you know, who like church and Bible and all stuff. And always just like, we've got to serve the Lord, man. Come on, you know. And, and so my brothers, you know, they, they look up to me. I'm the oldest. And so I just try to set the standard very high for them because I want them to seek righteousness. And I always have. And I'm blameless in their eyes. They don't know my dirt of who I've been. They always followed after me. And so... And my middle brother, Jacob, I'm sharing a lot about my life tonight, but I just, I just want to be real with you. Uh, Jacob, my middle brother, he's, uh, he's told me many times, he just doesn't want to disappoint me. He just doesn't want him. And so, of course, this is one of the biggest disappointments he could ever do. And the greatest thing I could do for him was what? Show him mercy. Listen to me. Maybe there's someone in your life tonight that you need to show mercy to. You thought you needed to just hammer them. No. You need to show them mercy. You need to show them love. That's what God does to us, does He not? Such a great king, huh? You do something wrong, who's the first one to welcome you back? It's the Lord, huh? My son died for you. Get over here and give me up. Get back into the family of God. Come on. Don't let the enemy talk your ear off over there trying to get you to walk away. What are you doing? That's what my son died for. Welcome back into the kingdom. Love you. Lay down my life for you. If you ever feel that, the enemy whispering in your ear, I need to nail that person. You're missing it. If you ever feel like you need to come down on somebody, you are missing it. Rebuke is to be done with mercy. And you were to rebuke them in a way of restoration always. We are to love mercy and then lastly to walk humbly with thy God. Oh, oh God, teach me this. Teach me this, Father. You know who I think about when I think about walking humbly with God? I think about Enoch. Who's Enoch? He walked with God. How many years? Anybody know? 300 years he walked with God. And how much do you hear about him? What did he do great in his life? Anybody know? Did he build a church? He had like 20,000 members. Anybody know what Enoch did in his life? What did he do? What did he do, Larry? He walked with God. He walked with God. All he did was walk with God. And God took him, huh? Off the face of the earth. He said, Enoch, hey. Hey, Enoch, down there, hey. Hey, Enoch, my boy, we've been walking for 300 years. Why don't you just come up here and just keep hanging out? You know, that sand down there is a little hard, huh? Yeah, why don't you just come up here? That's exactly what he did. God took him off the face of the earth. 300 years. I haven't even been walking with God for nine years. 300 years. And he walked humbly with God. Humility is not desiring any recognition for anything that you do. That's it. No recognition. 
being a servant of all. I got wrecked this weekend when I listened to a message. I said, how many of you pastors desire to get, desire that one person to come up to you and say every time afterwards, great message, pastor. You desire that, don't you? And I'm just like, ooh. It's like how many pastors stand outside your door and greet everyone as they walk out. He's like, you, you do that as a way of humility so that people will look at you and say, wow, that's really, you know, it's really humble for him to stand out there and talk with everybody at the end. But in reality, you really just love the praise that people come to you and say to you all the time, hey, thank you so much, Pastor. You're so good to us. Thank you so much for doing it. You just receive it. You just take the glory and you just love it, don't you? I'm just, just being just wrecked inside because that's what the flesh does. It desires praise. Humility doesn't desire any. It gives all glory and honor to God. Wow. Maybe some of the most powerful pastors are those who don't allow the people to praise them at all. They walk off the stage and walk out and they never allow you to say anything. There are plenty of pastors to minister. There are plenty of people in the body to minister to you and the Spirit of God to work in and move. Do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with thy God. Verse 9, the Lord's voice crieth unto the city, and the man of wisdom shall see thy name. Hear ye the rod, and who hath appointed it? Oh man, that's awesome. We're running out of time here. Verse 10, are there yet the treasure of wickedness in the house of the wicked? And the scant measure that is abominable? The question mark. Shall I count them pure with the wicked balances? and with the bag of deceitful weights. For the rich men thereof full of violence, and the inhabitants thereof have spoken lies, and their tongue is deceitful in their mouth. Therefore also will I make thee sick in smiting thee, and making thee desolate because of thy sins. Thou shalt eat, but not be satisfied. Wow. And thy casting down shall be in the midst of thee, and thou shalt take hold, but shalt not deliver. And that which thou deliverest will I give up to the sword. Thou shalt sow, verse 15, but thou shalt not reap. Thou shalt tread the olives, but thou shalt not anoint thee with oil and sweat wine. I'm sorry, and sweet wine, but thou shalt not drink wine. For the statute, well, I'm going to stop there and then I'll finish with the last verse. God is saying to the rich and to the wicked, He's like, look, you're going to walk around trying to satisfy yourself, but you will never reap. He's like, you will plant, but you will never receive. It's like chasing the wind, huh? This is very important as well. There are certain goals and aspirations that all of you have in life. I know. Because I do too. But I'm telling you this. Those things that are not rooted in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you're not going to use that thing for the Lord, you'll never reap much from it. I'm telling you. If you're getting a, de a degree to make money for you, it's not going to satisfy you. Because you'll get that degree, you'll start working and making the money, and then you want to make more. And so this is what I'm telling you. If you're getting a degree, I hope you would get a degree so you can make money, so you can give it all to the kingdom of God. Yeah. Anything that you, if you buy a big boat, I hope it's not for you. I hope it's for the kingdom of God in some way. You can bring people out and just create great fellowship and hanging out in a blast. You know, just say, this is my boat and I don't want anybody to ride on it. I'm just going to go out there and this is my time. Mine. My time. Careful. Because it's like chasing the wind. It's never going to satisfy you. You're going to sit on that boat and be miserable. 
after you recognize what you did with it, you did nothing. The things that you do in life that are far from God or just don't have God in it, you'll never think about in heaven ever again, will you? It means nothing. And so help allow the change of perspective to happen as there was prosper in that day, prosperity. People were wealthy and doing things, but they were being wicked with all they did. Micah was crying out to them saying, you, and maybe he'd say it to America today, look at you. Look at you, America. You have everything that you want. You don't wonder where food's going to come to. It's right there in Albertsons. You don't wonder how you're going to get from one point to the next. There's cars and buses and everything. You don't wonder about much. You think that you have a stressful life, but you really don't. You have a great life. And as you continue not to seek the Lord America and chasing after this American dream, trying to get it, you will never catch that dream. Never fulfill that dream. Isn't that sad? A person who comes, even comes to America, an immigrant, and works all their life to obtain the American dream when is it done? When does it finish? When have you obtained it? When? You don't. So I'm telling you, if you chase after anything that is not God-centered, if you're not chasing after something in order to bring it to a means of God, you're wasting your time. You are. If I went to school today, I would be trying to minister Jesus to the people around me. That's the point I'm there, because I might die tomorrow. It's not to get a degree. That's the second reason. What, what job do you do? What do you do for work? You, you think you're there to make money? <laughs> Only for the kingdom? And to help you get by a little bit? You're actually there to bring people into the kingdom. The last verse says that they're worshiping other gods. And that's why all this was coming upon them. For the statues of Omri are kept, oh man, and all the works of the house of Ahab, and ye walk in their counsels. Remember Ahab, he's like the most wicked man to ever walk the earth. That I should make, and they said they listened to his counsels, and he said that I should make a desolation, and the inhabitants thereof, and hissing. Therefore ye shall bear the reproach of my people. Wow. There are idols everywhere in our nation, which we could just tear them down. What do you think it's going to take to break our nation? I mean, the economy is pretty bad right now, isn't it? Is it a nuclear bomb going off in this nation? I mean, what is it? Let me ask you this question tonight. Is revival breaking out in your heart today? Are you having revival right now? No. If your answer is no, I guarantee there's an idol erected in your life. You need to take out the bat. You need to take out the sledgehammer and smash that thing to the ground. Smash it. What's stopping you? Give yourself to the living God already. Start doing justly. Man, just love mercy. Walk humbly with your God. You don't have to start a church. 
you don't have to do anything great so everybody can see. You could just be like Enoch and walk with God. You could do that. Isn't that great? The challenge is clear. That God is calling out for restoration unto his nation. And I truly believe it. I've just gotten to a point in my life where I'm just... I don't know. If everyone else around me doesn't want to have revival, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have it. I'm going to keep having it every day. Now I'm talking to a car salesman. He's going to get it too. So I'm going to preach to him, baby. He's going to receive it. But if he doesn't want to receive it, hey, it's fine. But I'm going to keep having revival as much as I can in my life. And no one's going to stop me. And if an idol comes and one of the brothers points it out, look at that idol in your life. It's like smash this thing down. Grab it back. Come on, let's go for it. We've got to do whatever it takes. Because you might be in heaven soon, man. I can't wait till it happens. Because all the times I've ever said it come true. We stand there and it's over. We have a lot of work to do in this nation, huh? I always wonder what you guys think, you know, after I preach week after week like this. Like what's going through their minds, you know? Like, what, what, what are you guys doing? I wonder how many have actually, like, really purposed in their hearts to raise a godly family. Like, I'm going to die raising a godly family. Because, you know, that's the whole reason I'm doing this. I hope this impacts you so much that it would radically change your perspective and you would desire to raise a godly family so that the next generation would come up godly. And I hope one day it, you would just snap. Just be, you know, become a crazy like my buddy Reynolds. I promise I'll close with this story, okay? He snapped. And he's never been the same. He is a freak. He is crazy for the kingdom. We're sitting at Denny's at like 2 o'clock at night. Just uh, Saturday night. We'd just come off the mountain that he spoke at this camp. We're up at this Asian camp and revival broke out. It was awesome. We baptized 38 people at 11 o'clock at night. Reynolds is going nuts. We come down the mountain. You think it's like time to go to bed, you know? He, this My friend lives in Georgia. He established like seven house churches in Georgia. He's like 25 years old, 26. He's a freak. He's got a church. The thing has tripled numbers in like eight months. It just started. It's like almost a thousand people already. It's just... We're sitting there in Denny's and this is radical living. I hope that you become a freak like this. Because this city would be turned upside down in a second. We're sitting there and Denny's like, man, the spirit's on me right now. Talk, man, we gotta do something. We gotta preach to someone. We gotta do something. I'm like, what, what are you gonna do? He's like, that's that's them. That's them. He points over to two guys at the table. It's like, those guys. I'm like, okay, what are we gonna do? He's like, man, that's it, man. The spirit's on me right now, man. The spirit's on me. I gotta, I gotta do something. 
So he sits there and it's just like, you know, he's just sitting there. I mean, it's two in the morning. We're sitting there and he's just still just boiling. I don't know what he's going to do. I thought, I'm like, okay, I'm kind of uncomfortable right now. I don't, I don't want to freak these guys out. You know, like, Reynolds, what are we going to do? This is me. You know, I'm supposed to be like Mr. Leader guy. Like, let's go, let's go. And Reynolds is just like, we're going for it. And I'm like, okay. So I'm sitting there and, and he gets up. No, he's sitting there and, and the waiter comes up. And she walks away, and he's like, "I know what I'm doing. I'm, you know, I gotta go pay for the meal right now. I'm gonna go pay for him right now without them knowing, and then I'm gonna walk up and tell him I paid. I did in the name of Jesus." I'm like, "Okay." You know, so he walks over to the waiter. He's like, "Hey, excuse me. Um, I want to pay for those guys over there. Um, want to take care of their tab?" She's like, "Really?" He's like, "Yeah, I want to pay for him." She's like, "Well, do you know?" "No, I don't know, but I gotta pay for him." And she's like, um, "Man, that's weird that you say that because they parked in the back. And normally, when people park in the back." They, they want to leave they want to leave without paying and I thought that they were going to leave on me because they're kind of being weird about it so you sure you want to pay he's like yeah I'm paying for it so he lays down the cash man gives her a fat tip you know and walks up and he's like hey hey guys and he's just like you know. he's like hey uh, I just want to let you guys know that I, I paid uh, for your meal and they're just like huh yeah well, yeah I paid for your meal and I just I, I did it in the name of Jesus Christ you know and um, I live for Jesus you know and, and I'm a disciple of him and, um, you know, I just, just want to let you know that I'm going to be praying for you guys. And he just starts ministering to them right there at the table. It doesn't matter if they're receiving it or not. He's just going for it. He's going for it. Just like, just laying it down. Just unbelievable. And they walk away just like freaked out. And I walk over and I'm just like, I can't believe this just happened. My other buddy, Chris, who was sitting there, who we came to meet with, like just flipped his top, flipped his world. At two o'clock in the morning, this guy is still desiring to please God with everything that he does. Now we gotta be radical. What will it take to see a generation that seeks your face, O God of Jacob? It takes radical change in your heart. I don't know how to do it. I wish there was a little switch that I just click on and all of a sudden you're fired up. I wish I'd be pushing that button every day. I just walk up, I hit you in the forehead, like go, 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 go. <laughs> Doesn't work like that, huh? You gotta have revival in your heart, family. And so, Lord, I pray over this group. Oh, Lord, hear my prayer. Oh, God, please hear my prayer. God, I pray over this group. And I just pray that you would. Lord, that you would do the work. It can only happen by you. Please stir in their hearts radical faith for you. Not just for the sake of being radical, but for your kingdom's sake. We want to see people come into the kingdom. Teach us, O oh God, to live justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. Teach us, O oh God. Help these people. God, I pray that as they make the decisions in their own minds and in their own hearts to live for you, that it would spark something within and they would change. They would move forward. Oh, God, help us. Help me, Lord. I want to be radical. I want to be like Enoch. God. I don't want to walk with you humbly all the days of my life. Oh, teach me humility, God. And teach these people. We love you. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. May the Lord bless you and keep you. And this, may His face shine upon you and be gracious unto you and give you peace, okay? We'll see you next week.